0: have a God who is alive, who knows us, who is with us, who is powerful, and He cares about you enough to want to be involved with your life. He actually wants to help you and lead you and guide you. That's just awesome, and it's nothing to do with my message, but amen for that. Woo-hoo! Fantastic. Um, Is anyone a little bit cold this morning? Yeah, I'm a little cold. Can we just put the heater on? I'm freezing. (laughs) We may have left the door open a little bit too long this morning, but uh, I don't want you to fall asleep if it's too hot. That would be bad, but um, if it's cold, you might be shivering too hard to be able to write your notes properly, so um, no one should be too cold. Um, I think we desperately need an Allen key up here, don't we? Whoa. (laughs) I feel like I'm going to fall over when I watch that. (laughs) Anyway, good morning. I'm going to think about what I'm talking about this morning. Um, I said that. Thank you, Lord. Um, I had a great time this week at State Conference. It was fantastic. We had about about 20 of us were able to go down and be at the state conference then in Warn Ponds. It was just a, a great time uh, being encouraged and, and hearing about what God's doing in other places and and meeting up with uh, other people from different churches in the CRC was a great time. And I shared just before about how I was talking to a guy I know there who um, I'd seen a post he put on Facebook a couple of weeks ago talking about his family in Colombo. And just um, it was just one of the opportunities to connect with people that, uh, with different situations going in their life to be able to encourage them and hear what's going on but I just my heart went out so much to this guy that his family is back in Colombo, he's, he's over here in Australia, his visas he's got issues with his own visas and things that he's out here but his heart is just breaking for his, his family back home and just to be able to pray with him there was fantastic but this morning I want to talk a bit about how do we respond as followers of Christ? How, how, do, how do we, as followers of Christ, respond when we see events like what happened in Colombo? It's not just Colombo, it's Christchurch, it's when we see things in the media about Israel Folau, whether you think he was silly, unwise or just purely courageous... When you see the same things about same-sex marriage and, and, and people being persecuted for standing up for their belief, that maybe isn't in agreement with our government's ruling. When we see people pushing for free abortions in Australia and, and so many issues that are happening in our nation, but around the world as well, how do we, as followers of Christ, respond? How, how should we respond? How can we respond? What should we do? It's really what I want to ask, and I pray that God will touch our hearts and move in our hearts on what we can do this morning. You know, we live in a society that for hundreds of years has been based on the foundation of Scripture. Our, our moral compass, our, our, our foundation of, of values in this nation has been the Bible, and that's been of such a blessing for this nation. It's been such a blessing for us as people And praise God, we have a a Christian Prime Minister right now that goes to church Easter Sunday and raises his hands in worship and gets mocked and ridiculed for it. But we may not always have a Christian Prime Minister. We could very easily have a Prime Minister who wants to take away Christian freedoms and speak out very boldly against things of God's Word. And sadly, we live in a, a world that many of those Christian foundations are being stripped away but what I find really interesting is when I talk to people, not in church, but in, in schools in, in other settings that I go into, I see a really deep concern by so many people saying, like, so many people aren't Christian in Australia, but what is the moral foundation of our country now? And, and people are concerned, there is a, a fear and a worry that we will have no moral compass in this nation. They are worried, they are concerned, they see the danger that we are stepping into by saying, well, just do what you feel like's right. We live in a very interesting time. It's been fought for, many of these things, in the name of freedom... But it's interesting in the freedom of people being able to do whatever they feel like and believe whatever they're right and, and to strip away what is our moral foundation. It's interesting in that freedom, we are a more depressed nation, a more stressed nation, a more confused and anxious nation, and more segregated, I think, more, more and more week by week by week. I think it's such an interesting age we live in where we can go online and no matter what your view is on anything, you can search out people with a like mind as yourself. If you have a view on anything, you can Google it, and you can find a group that's ab- advocating your theory, and you can find a group that'll say, yeah, and all those other people, they are all well, got it wrong, and we live in a world that is so segregated and set against each other, and uh, there is confusion, there is, there is bitterness towards each other, and it is a challenging time that we live in, not to get pulled into those things. The Bible talks about people having itching ears, wanting to hear whatever it is they want to be said, and they'll find it in the end days. One thing I want to say though, as I begin this message, that is so good for us to remember that, it's so good to remember the end, even as we begin the message today, to remember that God is still in control. God has not lost His power, He knows what is happening, He's predicted what's happening. God has spoken, He is faithful, He is still in control, He is still sovereign, He is still the ruling and living Creator of all things. Let's never forget that, in the turmoil, in the struggle, God is in control. He knows you, He loves you, He cares about you, but there's still a battle going on in this world today. God's told us about these things. He's, he's spoken in the past. So I want to look at Genesis chapter 6 just for a moment and just help me, Lord, this morning to say what you want me to say and nothing more because I feel like if I said everything I wanted to say, we would be here till dinner time. Thank you, Jesus. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 to 7. The Lord observes, this is in the time of Noah, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. What a horrible picture of the world. What a horrible, tragic picture of the world that God created. It goes on in verse 6, So the Lord was sorry He had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke His heart. You know, sin breaks God's heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals, the scurry along the ground, even the birds of the sky. I'm sorry I ever made them. And he goes on in verse 10, talking about Noah and how God gives grace to Noah and his family. And in verse 11 he says, Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I'll wipe them out along with the earth. And now we know that God did wipe the earth with the flood, but he... There was always a remnant there was always that that people of god that he saved and we know that they repopulated the earth and the reason i read that though is to look now at matthew 24 at what jesus said matthew 24 verse 37 it says and when the son of man returns it will be like it was in noah's day in those days before the flood the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time of time noah entered his boat People didn't realise what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. So you, who's you? It's me and it's you, it's all of us. Let's point to ourselves. So you too must keep watch for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. You know, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back, and we've got to be ready. As, as believers in Christ, as people who have the Word of God, we can read and understand the birth pains, the signs of His return, and know that these things are coming to pass. We should not be surprised. We should be ready and aware, because Jesus has told us He is coming back. The question is, how should we live? How do we respond in these days? When so many don't understand our faith, when so many are even opposed to religion or saying that this way is right, that there is absolute truth, and so many are against that, how do we live? This morning I want us to turn to the book of Daniel. And the book of Daniel is written at the time of King Nebuchadnezzar. He's he's besieged Jerusalem, he's He's, he's smashed the place, he's, Jerusalem is in ruins, he's taken off the, the people into Bab, Babylonia, and they're captives in a foreign nation. We know the northern tribes have already been taken captives by Assyria, they've been taken away, uh, and King Nebi, I just couldn't be bothered saying King Nebuchadnezzar all the rest of the morning, so sorry if that's a little bit lazy for you, but King Nebi, he wants some new slaves. That's the reality of the situation as we open the book of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar, he's conquered Jerusalem, he's taken back as slaves, and he's like, I want me some new slaves. And he says, I want you guys to go out, I want you to find the smartest, the most good-looking, the most well-trained, most educated people that we've captured. I want you to clean them up a bit, make sure they understand who we are and what we're about, teach them for three years, and then bring the best of them to me, and they can feed me grapes and fan me, and advise me, and help me, and do things for me. And we read um, in verse 6, it says, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. And you ever forget how to say them, just think Shadrach, Rufrach, Bulbar. That, that helps me, anyway. Um, um. Sorry. next verse verse 8 but daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king now i just want to pause there for a minute sorry i forgot to say in that three years as they were being trained and prepared to serve the king they were to be fed and, and served the king's food but the king's food had been offered to idols it had been poured out before foreign gods and things that god's people had been told don't eat that food And Daniel's saying, I don't want to eat it. I'm not going to eat this food that's been offered to idols. Uh, Verse 9, So, now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I'm afraid of the Lord, my king, of my Lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. So he's kind of saying, no way! Are you going to eat anything but what the king has told me to give you to eat? (laughs) Verse 11, Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the ten days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men. I just want to point out, guys, they were were young men. It doesn't matter if you're old or young. God can use you in amazing ways. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. Maybe you're doing Year 12 this year. You can say, God, give me an unusual aptitude for literature and wisdom. Well, even if you're not, just pray for that anyway. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meaning of visions and dreams. So, what's the point? Should we all just eat veggies and water? <laughs> Is that the point? Eh. No, I'm not suggesting we all become, I don't know, is that vegan if you just eat veggies and water? I don't know. I'm not suggesting that. Good luck to you if you are. That's wonderful. Um, I believe that God's word is true And Acts chapter 10. I love it. God spoke to Peter and said, come eat this food that I have given to you. And and Peter's going, oh, I don't eat this food. And God said, no, it's good. So I think the food that God has given us, let's eat it. And if we go hiking, (laughs) let's eat it. I believe a steak's good for the system. When I used to train it as an athlete, uh, I, my, my heart rate got so low sometimes, my blood pressure got low, and the doctor said, Andrew, eat more red meat and don't cook it too much. And I said, bring it on. And, and leafy greens and red meat. And, and uh, to be honest, I, I just like bacon too much to go to the veggies and water diet. I don't know about you, but um, that's not the point this morning of that passage. If you love bacon, you say, Amen. Amen. Fantastic. I've got three points I want to bring out, three things I want to suggest to you this morning that we can learn from this passage about Daniel. And number one is that Daniel lived in a world that didn't understand his faith, but he didn't give in. Daniel didn't give in even though everyone around him was eating this food. He, he knew that God had said, don't eat this food that's been offered to idols. So he started a protest and he, and he rebelled against the kingdom and he caused this uproar. No, that's not happened, how it happened, is it? He, he, has, he has wisdom, he, he goes to the attendant, he says, please, would you not make us eat this food? And he says, you know what, okay, you, you don't want to do this, just test us out, try, try it and see. almost makes me think of that verse that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And he's kind of saying, look, look, you don't understand my faith, you don't understand what I believe, but trust me, as I follow my God, see that God will bless me and us as we do this. And, and Daniel lived in a world that didn't understand, but he stayed faithful to what God had commanded him. And God honoured their faithfulness. But it, got a, it makes me ask the question though, you know, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, these guys have been taken captive, they're all getting fed this food. I think, what about the other guys? What about all the other ones that were brought in to be trained and fed? And you've got Daniel saying, no, no, I'm not going to eat this food. But what about all the other guys? They were all, well, most of them, probably some were from other nations maybe that they captured as well, but many of them would have been from Judah just as he was. They'd been taught the Scriptures. They knew the Word of God. They knew they shouldn't eat food offered to idols and wine that had been poured out before foreign gods. But they're eating it. I just imagine those other guys around Daniel saying, oh, come on. It's like, we've been wiped out. We've been taken over. Give it up, would you? Come on. Just eat the food, man. It tastes awesome. It's like, have you tried bacon? Have you tried steak? have you tried this wine it's amazing i just imagine saying come on man give it up what's the deal as i was thinking about it it made me think of job when job's uh is everything's taken away from him and his wife says would you just curse god and die it's like give it up you've lost there's no hope what's the point just give in But just as Job says, no way will I do that, Daniel is like, no way am I doing that. He doesn't give in. Daniel stays faithful to what God has spoken. He doesn't give in. And I just felt this week as I was preparing that that is a word for some people here today. There are some people that you feel like throwing in the towel. You feel like saying, this is just too hard. I'm trying to do things God's way. I don't know in what way it is, whether it's with the friends you're around, whether it's your finances or your, the way you're living, something you've had a conviction on, but I feel like there's some people here today that you need to know, don't give in. Do not just conform to the pattern of this world. It leads to destruction. Do not just follow the ways of those around you. They might be saying, oh come on, we all do it. Maybe you even know other Christians that are saying, hey, it doesn't really matter if you do this. God's way is true and I en- want to encourage you today, do not give in. Maybe it's relationships, maybe it's a a substance, maybe it's sex or drugs, or maybe it's just even the purpose that you're living for. Do not give in. Do not give in to the, the, the standards of this world. Don't throw it in. It might look like, well, what's the point? They're getting away with it, they're doing it, it looks like fun, that bacon looks great, whatever it might be. Don't give in. I don't think I've ever told my parents this story, so I'm thinking, okay, well I'll tell it anyway. But um <laughs> I've told it at youth before. You know, I, I had a conviction as a 17, 18 year old to to as a young guy who loved God to go to go to the birthday parties and things that were happening of my friends and be a witness in those places. And I would pray and I would spend time with God before going to those parties. And if I knew it was going to be too out of control, I just wouldn't go. But my conviction was to go to those parties and those places, and, and to be a witness for Jesus in those places. And I'd go into those places. I knew I knew they were going to be get, getting drunk and, and doing all sorts of other things. My conviction was to never drink, and I never have. But I'd go into those places, and there was a number of times. And this is a bit I haven't sort of said to mum and dad because I thought they might not let me go back again. But there was times when people forcefully tried to make me do things that I didn't want to do. And I can only explain it as God giving me Samson-like strength in a moment of, of things that people were trying to force me to do and, and, and pressure me to do, and it was not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit. I think I was just able to throw them off physically and, and stop them making me do things I didn't want to do. And I want to say to you this morning, don't give in. God will honour your conviction. I think of one of the guys that was a part of that, and God bless him, I'm seen him since and uh it was on our last day of year 12 he came up to me and he said Andrew I just want to say I so respect you and the way you believe in what you believe and I'm I'm sad to say I was so gobsmacked I nearly fell over and I didn't have any words to say I wish I could have said you know mate you need Jesus I, I didn't have those words at the time but people are watching the way you live and it's possible the people that are pressing you are even wondering i wonder how hard we have to press before we'll just give in and, and give up i wonder how hard we have to press before he will just say "Ah, oh, it doesn't really matter i want to say to you don't give in to the convictions that god has given you by the spirit don't be overcome by the pressures of this world daniel shadrach meshach and abednego they continue to follow god and they enjoy his blessing and then in chapter 2, we read about King Nebi. He has a dream, and he calls all the astrologers and the magicians and the enchanters and all the wise men of the land to come and not just interpret the dream, but to tell him what it is. Because he's like, if, you can, if I try and get you to interpret my dream, you're just going to make something up. So he's like, you know what? I want you to tell me what my dream was, and then I'll believe your interpretation. And they're all like, you've got to be kidding me, man. No one ever does that. Before I go on from that, I t- I just want to say too that I, I feel, I, I believe, I, I sense that right now in our, our nation, in our society, there is a push for 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 magic and these things to become mainstream things that people just do without any thought. I I am seeing, I'm I'm sensing in in if you look at advertising, the subtle things that people are being sold, health and fitness is a craze, it's 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 really cool. And I I see people pushing in and saying, oh, just try these things. And and there are people saying, oh, try these spells. They'll help you get better. They'll help you be fitter. And it's so subtle. But I just want to say, be careful. Be aware. Be be wary of what is being pushed at you in subtle ways. So anyway, he he calls in these people and they're saying, we can't do it. He's like, okay, fine. That's all right. We're just going to put you all to death then. And they're like, what? I don't know where Daniel was that day, because it says he wasn't there, and they go and find him, and they tell him what's going on, and he goes, (sighs) and I want to read what he he says, or what he does in chapter 2, verse 17. It says, Then Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what had happened. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret, which was the dream of King Nebi, so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. He goes, guys, we must pray. We've got to pray like crazy, because I don't want to die. In fact, do you see the selfishness of his like what he says there? He's like, he owes him to us the God of him, to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so that they would not be executed, along with the rest of the guys. Like, I don't really care, God, what happens to them, but just help me, God. It's like it seems just a little bit selfish to me, but anyway. <laughs> not holding against you, Daniel. That's all right. Um but they can begin to pray and God gives Daniel the, the dream and the interpretation. He goes to King Nebi, he tells him the, the dream. And King Nebi is real happy. He's like, woohoo, Daniel, you're awesome. And it says in chapter 2, verse 46, Then King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel and worshipped him. That's not encouraging people to worship people if they have good... Anyway. Um, and he commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burn sweet incest before him. The king said to Daniel, "Truly your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret." And in that moment, King Nebuchadnezzar have a revelation of the greatness of God. Sadly, it doesn't seem to stay around very long. But Daniel stayed faithful to God and used his gifts to bring glory to God. If you remember what we read a little bit earlier, it said God gave Daniel and those men amazing wisdom even though they were young and he gave them the ability to interpret dreams and in that moment when god uh, oh god king nebuchadnezzar is threatening them all with death and i think daniel he, he prays he gets that that word from god but there would have been a point of him saying what if king nebuchadnezzar doesn't like this i might get to be the first to die He's not afraid to go and bring that gift for the glory of God. He knows that it's what God has said was King Nebuchadnezzar's dream and he brings that gift for the glory of God. I want to ask you today, are we bringing the gifts that God has given us for the glory of God? As Daniel goes to King Nebuchadnezzar, he says, you know what, no person on earth can tell you your dream and the interpretation of it, but I know the God of heaven who made all things and he's able to give you that interpretation and I bring it to you now. He points King Nebuchadnezzar to God and says, He is the one who is able to do all things. And it goes on, and uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, as I said, doesn't hold his convictions very long, and he builds a statue and tells everyone to worship that. And uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in this part of Daniel uh, say, No way, King Nebi, we're not doing it. And they get thrown in the furnace, and it tells us about how the guards that threw them in get burned up by the flames that were so hot. And yet, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego don't even have the smell of smoke on them as they walk out of the fire. And King Nebuchadnezzar says, oh my goodness, who is your God and who was that son of man that was walking around there with you? And he, he falls down in worship again and says, great is your God. He should be praised and glorified all over the earth. But then sadly, it doesn't last very long again. He has a dream about a tree and he says, oh wow, thank you God for the interpretation. Then he... then. Belshazzar becomes king and there's the the writing on the wall and Daniel again interprets the writing on the wall that no one else can interpret and Belshazzar goes, wow, you're amazing and he gives him the third in command and gold and stuff but then he drops dead that night because it's what Daniel prophesied and spoke was true. Sorry if I'm going too fast, go and read Daniel. (laughs) Then King Darius the Mede takes over after Belshazzar just as Daniel has prophesied And King Darius makes another law, saying, you shall not uh, pray to any god but me. And Daniel says, no, we are not going to pray to you, King Darius. And uh, Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den and survives the night. And now maybe you're thinking, um, well, maybe the lion's den was just like a a cave and they thought there was a lion living in there, but actually it wasn't there, He was on holidays. Um, And that's how Daniel survived. Well, if you read on the rest of the story, you you read that after the guys who are trying to get Daniel in trouble um, get thrown in the lion's pit. It says, as they were thrown into the lion's den, it says their bodies did not even touch the ground before they were torn limb from limb. Those were hungry lions. They hadn't been fed the steak. They hadn't been wasted any good meat on. They were hungry lions. It was a death trap. And Daniel comes out of there without a scratch. And then King Darius, in chapter 6, verse 25, says, Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus of Persia. They see the power of God in these men that stand up for what they believe and do not give in. My third point this morning was Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, and you could list a whole heap of other people throughout history but they were not willing, uh, sorry, they, they were willing to die for their faith. And yet God used Daniel to tell the world of God's power and love. They were willing to give up their life. They, they trusted God in, even before they were thrown in the furnace. It says, you know, God has the power to save us. But even if he doesn't, we will not give in to what you're telling us to do. We will not bow our knee to any foreign God. We will not confess any other God but our God in heaven who is the true and living God. It says, even if we die, we will not. But God moved and they were spared and His praise just rang out all the more. I pray that we would be people who do not bend, who do not sway, who do not give in to what the world may say we must do that the Word of God would ring out from us as we go through whatever we have to go through, but as God moves in our lives, that the praises of God would ring out from us all over the earth. And I mean it, God can do that even here in Kolak. I praise God for the opportunities I get to hear about people saying, oh wow, I met this person from Kolak, and you know, the praises of God are ringing out from you. you. As you talk to people, as you share your journeys, God's Word is ringing out from here, but I just pray it would happen all the more and not back off as we see that day approaching. I want to ask you this morning this question, how confident are you of the hope we have in Jesus? How confident are you of the hope you have in Jesus? If our confidence is true, if our confidence is sure, if we truly have confidence, we will not give in to any other thing. But it's so easy to go along with the flow, it's so easy to see what's happening in the world and not speak up against it. Are we willing to even die for our faith? You know, that's the very question that was asked in Kids Church the day of the Colombo bombings. There's a picture of the Zion Church. And in that ministry that day, they were asked, would you be willing to die for your love for Jesus? And so many of them said, yes, we do, we believe, We, we will. And they did are we willing to speak up are we willing are we so sure of the hope that we have that we will give our lives our 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 time our, our finance will we sow into this kingdom that others would know the hope that we have i pray that day will never come but thank you lord will we speak out you know we have an election coming up soon And we have an opportunity to speak up for what is true according to God's Word. We need to know who we're voting for. We need to know what voices we're speaking out for. I want to ask you today, and this is a question you don't answer, just in case you... Who are you voting for? (laughs) Who are you voting for? Maybe you've already voted. If it is too late, then uh, I'm sorry. But we need to know who the people we are voting for and what they are standing for. What they are not standing for. Are the people we're voting for speaking to say we must not pray in the name of Jesus in public? Or are they trying to hold on to the religious freedoms we have in our nation? We have many that would be pushing to, to stop Christian schools, Christian ministries, Christian groups, employing Christian people and having Christian ministries. There is so many pushes against people of faith, and we need to know what these political parties stand for will you vote for someone who's promoting sexual immorality in our schools or will you stand for those who will not allow that to take place are you voting for people who want to make abortion free for every australian or promote assisted suicide in our nation we have a choice, and if we vote for people who value every human life or not, but we've got to know what these people are voting for, what they're saying, what they're believing in. Uh, I don't want to say who you should vote for, but we need to know. And the Australian Christian Lobby has some great resources to see the basics of what people believe in the different political parties. If you've seen that already, fantastic. There's copies of it up on the back table as well. But we need to know what these people stand for. And. I want to encourage you to see past your political identification maybe you've always voted for this party and you think this party is wonderful see past what you've always thought and know what's true about that party don't just vote for a party just because that's who you've always voted for find out the facts of what they are standing for also I just want to say for two seconds we have a preferential system in Australia that many people I believe do not understand and it's really, really sad, because many people think that, you know, you might say, okay, it's going to be Liberal or Labor win, so I've got to vote for one of them or my vote doesn't count. Eh, that's wrong. Vote for the person you believe in the most. And it, because of our preferential system, I've done vote counting before, I never want to do it again. Um... <laughs> um but if, if you vote for a party that is obviously not going to get in, then they say, well, hang on, okay, it's obviously out of these two, well, who did you vote for out of those two? And then your vote gets counted. Your vote matters, and I want to encourage you, vote for the person that you see standing for Christian faith and belief. Those people that will stand up in and, and it's a voice even though it may not get that person into power. Understand that system. If you don't, ask someone, Google it. In all of this, Jesus is still the only hope for this world. That's the reason we must stand. That's the reason we need to hold on to our convictions because I want to read this verse. Matthew 24, as I come to a close. Matthew 24 says, Jesus told them, Don't, be mis- don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Messiah. They will deceive many. You'll hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, those things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. A nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in parts of the world, but this is only the first of the birth pains and more will come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. I've got to say it's much more true in many places even than in Australia right now. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Are we ready to endure to the end? Are we allowing our love to grow cold, or are we coming to God day by day and say, Lord, strengthen me. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that you've sent to empower us, to equip us, to lead us. Fill me, Lord, lead me by your Spirit day by day. Do we come to God in praise and thanks and worship? I'm getting ahead of myself. There's three things, practically speaking, that we can do, I want to say this morning, and that's to pray, just like Daniel did, to continue to worship God and to speak out as God leads you. Don't get engaged in in hate talk. Don't get engaged in foolishness and discussions that lead to nothing. Speak out where God leads you to, but always bring it back to the hope we have in Jesus. One final verse in Revelation uh, 12. Uh, It's talking about the the, the final battle, the dragon being sent down, and uh, a loud voice cries out, It has come at last, salvation and power... And the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters have been thrown down to the earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night, and they have defeated Him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they are afraid to die. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens, rejoice. They like overcome by the blood of the Lamb. It is only by Jesus Christ that we are saved. We are all sinners deserving judgment. We are all sinners deserving death, but by the grace of God through Jesus Christ, we all can have hope. That is the message we must preach. That is the answer to this world. That is the only hope of this world, and we must speak out. It's so easy to, to get in arguments with people trying to discuss ideas, but I want to encourage you, share your testimony because your testimony, the the testimony of millions of people around the world whose lives have been changed by the love of God cannot be denied. I want to encourage you, always come back to the blood of Jesus, what His sacrifice means to you, and your testimony of how He's moved in your life. They can't argue with that. It's the only hope of this world. I'm going to ask the band to come, and I just want to pray. Thank you, Lord. Maybe this morning you... Are hearing me talk about these things and you're thinking, Andrew, I, I don't even know that hope in my own life. Or maybe you're feeling like your love has grown dim. I don't want to pray for you first of all. Well, God, I just thank you that you tell us, Lord, in your Word that anyone who comes to you will not be turned away. Lord, if we come to you with repentance, we say, God, I'm sorry for my sin, God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner that deserves judgment. But thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sin. Anyone who comes to you, anyone who confesses that, Jesus, you are Lord, that you are God, that you are the one who has bought our freedom, that we will be saved. And I thank you, Lord, that nothing on earth or on heaven will ever change that. Nothing can separate us from your your love that is ours through Christ Jesus. God, I just pray that you would strengthen each one of us with that confident hope. That, Lord God, you would give us your grace, whatever you're leading us to, whatever your future for us is, that we would stand up with boldness, that we would not give in, that we would not back down in the hope that we have that we would not bend our knee to any other god or or ruler than you. I pray, Lord God, that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us insight as to the ways to to speak out, the ways to move and and act, to protect the freedoms and and the, the truth of your gospel. But Lord, we just pray right now that your kingdom come on this earth, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we surrender ourselves to you this morning, Lord, and we ask, Have your way in us. We are your people. You are our God. You are our Savior. You are the head of this church. And we just give ourselves to you this morning and ask, Have your way in us and through us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you have